Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Hey everybody, this is JB and Madison. Welcome to the Texas Tailgate Talk Podcast, the show that deep dives into Texas sports scene for people who love football, basketball, and all the likes. So, let's get started. Hey, hey, it's James again from the Texas Tailgate Talks. Thank you for listening to episode number two of our college football breakdown for the major schools in Texas. Today's episode is going to be all about Texas A&M. If you haven't heard our University of Texas breakdown, go back one episode. It's the first episode that's been, that's been released. Um, but right now, we're going to be going over A&M. So, kind of like I said before, we're just going to be doing a short breakdown of the major schools in Texas as far as for football. Then once the season starts, we'll go more in-depth on the season, go more in-depth on the teams, the players, all that kind of stuff. But let's start off with how last year turned out for A&M. So, Last year was kind of a weird year for AM fans, especially Aggies. Coming in, Haynes King taking the reins over for Kellen Mond. They, you know, we had high hopes for the team. The team was looking pretty good. We started off the season against Kent State, dominated that game 41 to 10, then went to Colorado, and then the wheels kind of came crashing down. Haynes King went out with that leg injury and missed the entire rest of the season. So then we had to thrust in Zach Calzada, which if you guys don't remember, Calzada, when he first came to AM, had a cannon of an arm. So they were thinking maybe he would actually beat out Haynes for that starting role, but it became very apparent that he had what people would call the yips. He seemed like he was nervous. He would overthrow things. He would just looked like he would make the reads just a little bit late. He was too much in his head. But yes, we ended up beating Colorado 10-7 to on a late touchdown at the very end of the game. It was overall a very stressful game if you were watching it. But they ended up winning, so they started off 2-0. and Then home against New Mexico, and they, I mean, we don't even need to talk about that. It was a pretty easy up and down, 34 nothing win. Then this is where the struggle got. We went to Jerry Jones Stadium against Arkansas, lost 20-10, to basically was dominated that entire game. Our defense was playing pretty great, but offense just couldn't do anything. Then the next week, go to home against Mississippi State, and they are dominating us the entire game. But it looks like, the, and the defense just looked outclassed. I mean, Mike Leach knew, had a game plan perfectly up for them, but, I mean, it still was a very winnable game, only losing by four there. You know, after that point, as an AM fan, we were like, oh crap, here comes Bama next week. We don't have a chance. But boy, oh boy, did we change that narrative. It was from the word go a slobber knuckle. AM had the game in control from the very first whistle. They started, they jumped out to a big lead. Then Bama started fighting back. Boom, boom, they score. I think they got within a touchdown. Then they kick it off to Devon Achain. And he runs the kickoff all the way back. At that point, you're like, okay, some this this has a chance to be the real deal. AM goes back and forth, back and forth. Late part of the game, Calzada throws a crazy touchdown, but then you see him grabbing his leg. And we're like, oh no. Our starter is out. Now our backup is out. Who's next? Who was the next guy up? It was a walk-on lefty quarterback. I can't even remember his name. But I was like, oh, no, if he has to play, it could be rough. Bama tied the game 38-38, and Calzada came back, and it was like one of those moments where you see him walking on the field, and you're like, oh, my gosh, we might actually win this. 
kicked the field goal to win the game. Everybody's seen the video with Seth Small and his fiance or his wife and his family on the sideline going crazy. Awesome game. Then we wrap that up. We're right now we were four and two. Then go to Missouri, home against South Carolina, home against Auburn. We win all three of those games. We're pretty high ranked. And then we go to Ole Miss and Matt Corral just dices us up. I mean, it was one of those games where you were like, what what just happened? Calzada was starting to play really, really well. We beat Auburn by 17. We're riding high and then it just got deflated. After that, we of course beat Prairie View A&M, which everybody knew that was going to happen. Then we go at LSU and Max Johnson throws a late touchdown at the very end of the game to basically walk it off on, on A&M. And at that point, it was just like, what the hell just happened? Didn't know what was going on. I mean, it was just crazy. And come to find out, after the season, that, of course, was the last throw that Max Johnson ever threw for the LSU Tigers because then he came to AM. He crushed us at the end of the season. We had a chance to go 9-3. and three. He made us go 8-4. and four. And then he just goes, mm, you know what, let's... Let's go to AM. I like them. So now we've got Match Johnson. So let's go into the depth chart for AM. A lot of changes as far as the left side of the offensive line with Kenyon Green gone, um, as well as Jameer Johnson leaving as well because of the graduation. He was a grad transfer from Tennessee. Now, center, right, right guard, right tackle, those three are going to be the same. You've got Bryce Foster the literal mountain man of a center. Then you've got Layden Robinson, who is, everybody's gonna need to keep an eye on him because, I mean, he was just a playmaker last year. And then Ruben Fathery. He was a freshman, kind of thrust into that right tackle job. And, I mean, he really, really played well. On the left side, you've got three very interesting options at your left guard. Replacing Kenyon Green, you've got Blake Trainer from Hallsville. He was a forced, I believe he was a four-star recruit, didn't really develop too well. I mean, you were stuck behind one of the greatest guards that AM has had in a very, very long time. Then you've got Josh Bankhead. He's a sophomore from the Woodlands. Also kind of like an interesting position, like interesting player there. But the one that I really want to keep an eye out for is Jordan Moko. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name because it is crazy. He is a transfer from Australia. Massive guy. Six five, listed as 6'5", 340. Just a mountain of a man. And then at left tackle, you've got a few different people. You've got Trey Zoon, who's the redshirt freshman. Um, 6'6", 315, and then you got Demetrius Crownover from Grandview, also a very large person. So, like, you've got those two options at left tackle that we can kind of look at. That's going to be the big question mark. Receivers, you've got Chase Lane, you've got Jalen Preston, you've got Anaya Smith, obviously. He's going to come in and he's going to do his thing. Even with that arrest earlier, I don't see him being limited or anything like that view him basically like a Debo Samuel for San Fran. Um, then you got Moose Muhammad as well at the receiving. That is a very interesting one. But my person I think is going to be a very important part is going to be the five-star true freshman Evan Stewart. We won the recruiting battle between him and Texas and you know wherever else. And actually I think he can be an immediate impact at that slot receiver. Comparing him to Texas if I had to say have a role like Xavier Worthy. Comes in as a true freshman and basically just does his thing. The biggest question I have for the AM team this year on the offensive side is which one of the three is going to be your starting quarterback? Are you going to have Haynes King, who was your starter last year, who got hurt after one game, essentially? Then you got the transfer, Max Johnson, from LSU. He has experience starting in the SEC. Then you got the true freshman, Connor Wegman. He was a five-star, one of the top QBs in this class. Is he going to be the one? 
I think if I probably had to say, I'd probably say Haynes Keener, Max Johnson are probably 1A, 1B. If Wegman finds a way to start week one, if he is named the starter, that means this kid is going to be something freaking special because Jimbo Fisher does not start freshman very often at all. And if he starts a true freshman at quarterback, yeah, there's going to be something. It's not because of a lack of talent. They have a very talented QB room. And then, of course, at running back, you've got Devon Achain a chain literally a track star i mean last year returning kickoffs he was behind isaiah spiller it was the thunder it was the lightning well now you're just gonna have a heavy dose of lightning and i think he's probably gonna bulk up a little bit i think he's listed like 180 185 i want to see him maybe bulk up to like 2 205 ish take be able to take a little bit of a hit but now we switch over to the defensive side defensive side is the defensive line is don't you look entirely different just because you have so many new players because of how many players left last year to the draft or whatever you got Fadil Diggs you've got Shamar Turner Anthony Lucas and then let's not even forget about the defense the linemen that are coming in for instance you've got Anthony Lucas that was a a new recruit you've got Walter Nolan who was the number two recruit in the nation you've got Shamar Stewart from Florida I mean, you have the number one recruiting class in the history of recruiting classes at AM. A lot of people think it's the NIL deals. I think it's Jimbo Fisher is making something special as well as the NIL deals. Because don't get me wrong. I know that they paid quite a few of the players. I'm not going to be like, oh, no, they didn't pay anybody. But that's the nature of NIL this year and last year. That's, that's going to happen. Texas does it, AM does it. Tech, like every school in the entire country is doing it just to different extents. As far as your linebackers, you've got Andre White, you've got Edgar and Cooper. Those two are your main linebackers. And, I mean, you know what you have out of those. They're really, really good players. Edgar and Cooper is a stud. Your nickelback, who's also going to kind of be a linebacker role, is Antonio Johnson. I mean, he was an all-SEC second team, and he was an all-American first team. Don't know why he got second SEC, but first all-American, but you know what? Oh, well. Your secondary, you've got Miles Jones and Tyreek Chapel, which Tyreek Chapel showed a lot. You've also got Denver Harris, who's going to be the red shirt from the Houston area. You've got Bobby Taylor, who's coming in as a freshman as well. Jalen Jones, you hope, develops a little bit more. Um, you've got a very, very talented secondary. Now... Can they develop? That's the big key. That's going to be my number one thing for today is how are these guys going to develop? Because you can put them on lists and say, oh, yeah, they're going to be great, and then they just don't turn out to be. Now, as far as safeties go, you got Damani Richardson coming back this year. I mean, overall, great job. I'm really happy he came back. Leon O'Neal graduated, went off to the NFL. I think he's uh, signed as an undrafted free agent with the 49ers. But you've got a couple options with like Jordan Gilbert. You've got Jared Kerr as a freshman from Lexington. Like there's a few different options they have. So now we're going to go over this year's schedule and predictions. So starting off the season, they have, a, which I don't think is going to be a walkover, but it's going to be a pretty easy game in my opinion, Sam Houston. Of course, I think a is going to get that win. Then they go and host Appalachian State, which again, if they look over it, it could be an issue. Again, though, I still do have them winning that. Then they play Miami at home as well. That's going to be a tough game. That's actually, I think, going to work out in the favor of AM because sometimes when they have cakewalks the first couple weeks, they start into that week four or five whenever they play Arkansas normally and they struggle, which I think they beat Miami. I think they beat Arkansas. They go to Mississippi State and they're not going to get caught off guard from Mike Leach again. And they're going to 
beat Mississippi State. At Alabama, as much as I want to be and drink the maroon Kool-Aid and I want to say, oh yeah, A&M's going to beat Bama this year, again, back-to-back seasons, I'm also a realist and say there's no chance it's going to happen. I think Alabama is going to be pissed off and I think they are going to show up and just dominate the game. I think A&M will find a way to get back in it, but I think A&M's going to lose that. So at that point, A&M is 5-1 and one, and then they go to their bye week. I think at that point, they're going to wrap rattle off at South Carolina, home against Ole Miss, home against Florida, at Auburn, UMass. I think they're going to win all of those games relatively easily, setting up for that last week home against LSU. At this point, they would be 10-1. and one. This is the, the big key part. If they beat LSU, there is a chance they might make it to the SEC championship game. Could be a college football playoff contender, but, you know, it's LSU. They've got Brian Kelly coming in from Notre Dame. I think LSU is going to lose that game to A&M. I think A&M wins it. So I think A&M finishes 11-1 going into the season finale. Where do they end up? I think they end up in a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't know if 11-1 is going to be good enough. If the SEC, if like you have Georgia and Bama, if Georgia comes in undefeated and Bama beats them, I still think you've got Georgia and Bama in the playoff just because they went to the SEC championship game. But, you know, A&M could lose to Arkansas. They could lose to Miami. They could lose to Bama. They could lose to LSU. There's so many games on the schedule that it's teetering back and forth. I think this is a big year, but I'm really interested to see how next year's going to be just with all this number one recruiting class. How many of them are going to play this year and how many of them are going to develop into superstars the next year? Because A&M has a very good ability to turn a three- or four-star recruit into a superstar kind of player. Look at Antonio Johnson. I think he was a four-star or three-star and then developed. Kellen Mond was a high recruit, but he, no one thought he would be a four-year starter. But can they you know, develop a four-star into a five-star? How about a five-star into a superstar? You haven't really seen a lot of players since like Miles Garrett and Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans about being superstars, high draft picks. I mean, AM has players that play in the NFL. You look at the across the league, there's so many players that came from AM. Can they develop a bunch of them at one time under Jimbo Fisher and their offense and defensive training staff? But thank you guys for tuning into this episode. We will see you on the next episode. This is going to be Texas Tech under new head coach of Joey McGuire. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all of the latest from Texas Tailgate Talks, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TX Tailgate Talks. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.